You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. Yusuf here, and I've just come back from a breathing workshop in the Isle of Man. Yep, I know. So this podcast is not fitness related. I just felt like it was so fascinating that I had to do a podcast on it, just debriefing you on the experience. As you may know, Johnny and myself are very interested in body, mind and spirit, primarily body, obviously, hence propane fitness. But yeah, so I've been using this summer um, to go to a few workshops and seminars from people I've been following. We recently went to the Brett Gibbs seminar with both of us who is a very high level 83 kilo powerlifter. I've been pestering him on Facebook as well. I think he's just been pieing me, but hopefully if he replies, we can get him on the podcast as well. I'm also incidentally going to Kit Lachlan, um, and he's a authority on stretching. So I'll go to that this weekend. I'll take some notes, do a podcast debrief on it for next week, and also hopefully get him as a interviewee as well. So yeah, with these seminars, I've never regretted investing in myself. I think any amount of money that you spend on a book, seminar, um, coaching, anything like that, always pays off massive dividends. And if anyone who, any authors or anyone that you've been following is coming to your area, highly recommend going over, getting some live feedback, chance for Q&A, chance to meet them. So this was a guy called Stan Groff who ran the workshop. He is an 86-year-old psychiatrist. I discovered him after writing an assignment this year on affective disorders, so obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety, and depression, and looking at the treatment potential of LSD and similar drugs um, to improve them. So Stan Groff had written quite a lot of papers on this and done some really interesting research on it. The more modern research seems to look at the neuroimaging and galvanic skin response to stress, which seems to confirm the initial findings. But unfortunately, there's been a long ban on the research with uh, with these drugs, mainly out of the kind of public hysteria that they're, they're used recreationally. From a clinical perspective, I think that's a bit anti-scientific, that there's this arbitrary line that's drawn over, say, you know, alcohol and tobacco have no medicinal purpose, but are legal and then you've got drugs like Ritalin or amphetamine which are classified but used with treatment of ADHD so pretty interesting but we may find that um, when the hysteria has gotten over people will be using uh, more of these uh, undiscovered or untapped potential for um, mainstream psychiatry in the future so anyway as you may have guessed he's a pretty unorthodox guy and although I'm supposed to be a kind of hardline, closed-minded medic. Um, as you know, if you've read my article on um, why has everyone got it so horribly wrong, and if you listen to the Propane Fitness Podcast in general, you'll know that generally the commonly accepted models for things are often incorrect or have big holes in them. Things like clean eating, stoking the metabolism by eating lots of frequent meals, beast mode and no pain, no gain, and that kind of thing. So I'm always open to... Um, these potentially paradigm challenging ideas if they have some kind of empirical backing. So what Stan Groff looks at is holotropic states. So that's a word that he's come up with, hollow and tropic, meaning moving towards wholeness. 
And the main idea is that the individual psyche is a very small fraction of the scope of conscious experience. And so he criticizes orthodox psychiatry as um, just looking at the individual from a very narrow scope of the postnatal biographical person. So like the Freudian approach of looking any kind, looking at trauma that's been experienced after birth. And so his first um, claim is that the process of going through the birth canal is one of the largest traumas that a human has to go through in the first place. And that that can be up to say 30 hours of being thrust into the conscious world and saying that that in itself is very traumatic. But the common criticism of that is that saying that the cortex hasn't been myelinated enough to be able to encode the memory. Um, Stan Groff's response to that is that sea slugs have um, evidence of memory as uh, was shown in a Nobel Prize winning study recently apparently. So saying that if a sea slug can demonstrate memory, then to say that a newborn can't is uh, potentially a bit of a far-fetched thing. So a lot of his ideas come very much in line with Carl Jung and the idea of the collective unconscious and that the individual psyche can um, can go beyond the uh, what we traditionally see it as. He's also got some interesting ideas on treatment and psychotherapy, saying that generally modern psychiatry looks at controlling symptoms, which is helpful and functional. But what's really happening is that unconscious material is coming up to the threshold of conscious awareness and manifests as anxiety or depression. And what we do is we sedate and we tranquilize to control the symptoms, but that unconscious material is then just pushed back into the unconscious mind again, rather than coming up and out to be processed. So really interesting ideas, and uh, I'll include some resources at the end if you're more interested in his actual approach. He's got some things on uh, saying how there's no proof that consciousness is in the brain. And uh, his his theories like that the brain is like a TV set. So if you were to take apart the transistors in a TV and really study them, you would never be able to figure out why Mickey Mouse shows up at 7am, that the program is coming from somewhere else and that the brain is more of a transceiver for that. And this really ties in as well to some of the Eastern philosophies, looking at uh, the Hindu idea of Atman Brahman, and that kind of also ties in with some of the experiences that his patients and research subjects experience in these holotropic states correlated with some of the various religious traditions saying things like the kingdom of heaven is within and he who knows himself knows his lord look inside you are the buddha so the purpose of these holotropic states is that we're dropping the cognitive filters just enough to access the deeper reaches of the psyche and going beyond this, the, the more narrow individual psyche that we regularly experience in everyday consciousness. And the interesting thing is that some of these states are induced by things that seem to be inhibitory to the brain rather than stimulatory. And the complexity of in things like the visual complexity of the experiences can't be explained by what's going on in the brain and the physiology of the brain at the time. So a particular example of that is near-death experiences or when someone's in a coma and they're going through or you know or, or you know almost clinically dead for example and yet they're experiencing these vivid 
out of body experiences and um, transpersonal experiences that wouldn't be able to be explained by the level of brain activity going on. Other people tend to um, access these states from, so we've said near-death experience, things like the borderline between sleep and waking, chanting, meditation, or drug-induced, hence his research with LSD. But because of the ban and uh, the regulatory hurdles with the research, he actually developed a breathing technique that he claims elicits the same kind of state as can be achieved with these other approaches. So things like um, LSD and chanting and um, the near-death experiences, and that they can just knock out the cognitive filters just enough to then access those uh, areas of the mind. And the, the therapeutic potential of that is that by doing it, you can then access the unconscious, unprocessed material, consciously process it, and then it's no longer affecting your behavior in everyday life. So the types of experiences that people tend to have are pretty extreme. Seems to be um, boundary transcending um, experiences of going beyond time or experiencing group consciousness, transpersonal experiences, um, identifying with a plant or an animal, or experiencing the Carl Jung archetypes in the sort of mythological realm. So whatever the ontology of these, these experiences is, I'm not saying that these exist as some kind of external reality, but what we can definitely see is that the individual psyche does appear to be capable of infinitely wider experiences than the traditional map that we have of the Western approach to the psyche. So based on the reports that people are experiencing, there seems to be a wider range of potential experience. What I quite like about this guy, as you know, I'm, I like to think of myself as quite empirical and I'm not a big fan of the woo-woo stuff if it's not empirically verifiable, but obviously this guy is a psychiatrist and he respects the Cartesian Newtonian model of science, but seems to recognize it as one of many models and recognizes its limitations as well. So as a kind of open-minded empiricist to different paradigms, he even looks at things like the Chinese meridians or kundalini and auras and things and doesn't see these as mutually exclusive, but more as self-sufficient paradigms to explain or to, to be able to understand reality a bit better within that scope. But we're not then using the Newtonian science to try and assess the criteria for the other one and vice versa, that they're just different independent models. Anyway, now that we've had a bit of an intro, a bit of a ramble, um, what actually is the breathing? So what it involved was three hours with some high-paced music to keep the pace of controlled hyperventilation. And that involved circular breathing, so no gap between the breaths. And the main idea is uh, potentially that you're trying to induce respiratory alkalosis and what happens there is maybe there's some funky brain activity that goes on that just allows these filters to drop. And then the unconscious material is supposedly to come up at that point. Now, if you're thinking, oh, I wanna give this a shot, I wouldn't recommend trying this unless you're supervised and you've seen a doctor, but I'm looking forward to seeing the, the doctor's reaction when you say, hi, I'm planning to hyperventilate for three hours. What do you think? Um, because there is a potential to cause arrhythmias as well. So. Um, I wouldn't recommend just trying this at home. But 
just to give you a breakdown of, uh, of my experience and others. Mine, were, unfortunately, wasn't as vivid as I was hoping for. I did get some of the tetany, which is the, the muscular contractions in your, in your limbs and uh, the, the numbness and tingling. And I found myself laughing within, say, 15 minutes of, of doing the hyperventilation. Looking back, maybe that was the initial sign of it and I just wasn't gunning enough, but it wasn't very visual, didn't have any of these kind of crazy experiences. But it does seem to be that there is something to this modality and that it seems legit and maybe has some potential. As to whether the potential outweighs the risk, I don't know. But looking at some of the others there, um, there was some some people getting into some quite intense states and uh, apparently reliving some major traumas, lots of screaming and shouting. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue that it's just hyperventilation syndrome, but Stan argues that there are some differences in that, for example, the tetany, the contractions are not continuous. And he says that these contractions seem to be where we have somatic stored emotion within the body. And that's just playing itself out. So yeah, make of that what you will. Um, I found it fascinating. There's a lot of, there's a few resources that you can check out. If you have any, uh, if you have any questions, post on the propane fitness wall, but I would really recommend reading his papers. And also he's got some lectures on YouTube as well that you can check out. One of them is called a radical revision of psychiatry and psychology. There were a lot of people there who worked in mental health. So mental health nurses and psychiatrists as well, which, um, at least to me, gave it a little bit more validity. And uh, yeah, so that is my experience of the holotropic breathwork. Hope you found it interesting. I'm going to go to Kit Lachlan soon. And I promise if you enjoyed this, I'll give you a um, debrief on that. A little bit more related to training as well. And that's it for this episode of the Propane Fitness Podcast. So I'll speak to you next time.